our our sound our sound is not ready but uh, at least you're ready okay let me just uh, start the ball rolling with the scripture that i read from the book of ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 and the bible says here all praise to god the father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without faults in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. And uh, Jude 24, Jude is a very small book just before the book of Revelation. It has got no chapters, just verses. So verse 24, it says, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, and with great joy, to the only God and our, our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Praise God. Let us pray. Lord, we are so thankful that we have a clear revelation from your word where you show us what your plan is for our lives, not just for the days here on earth, but for eternity to come. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you have given us your word to give us clarity and the authority of your word gives us joy because we know that you are not going to fail. To you be the glory and the honor. Amen. Okay, so I've got two microphones now. I like this one better, but it's a bit too loud. Okay, so uh, I want to speak today about something that I believe is very important. Last week we were talking about the home of righteousness, because God has prepared a home that is called the home of righteousness for all of us. And today I want to talk about in what kind of condition we need to be in order to enter into that home that God has prepared for us. Now, um, God has set a standards for that which is supposed to be around him from the very, very beginning. In fact, even before the foundation of the world. Okay, this is difficult for some people to capture, to understand. But, uh, you know, we, we must understand that the beginnings, like our beginning, your beginning, my beginning, is not the beginning. It's just my beginning, okay? It's just your beginning. But there was something before us, otherwise we would not be here. And the beginning of this world, the beginning of uh, our universe, the beginning of us, is just the beginning of that, but not the beginning of everything, because there was God before the beginning, because he is yesterday, today, and forever the same. So he's eternal, he has no beginning, and he is always ever-present. So now, uh, God has set a standard that whatever is going to be in his house, if I may use that term, okay? Of 
because it's not a house like this or a house like your home, but whatever is in his presence, whatever is in his house, must be able to, you know, be of that standard. If you go in a shop and you want to buy something for your house, and uh, you look around and you see some, some items, maybe you buy some furniture, or you want to buy some furniture, and then you are going to see some furniture which are, which are torn already, even in the shop or maybe on the market. And uh, you say, no, this is not what I want to have in my house. So you make sure that you find something that is compatible with your standard at home. And hopefully we all have a standard, okay? We are not supposed to just have uh, anything goes, okay? We should not just allow anything that is rotten uh, to be in our home. I'm sure we have all had such situations where things are no longer our standard and we remove them from our house and we get something that we feel is more, you know, the standard that we should have in our home. So, you know, this is exactly what any sensual human being should or would do, okay? You wouldn't buy food in the shop that is expired, would you? Okay? You wouldn't buy things that from the very beginning you, you can see they're not, they not really good. But you would always look for the very, very best. And of course, this is because we are made according to the very image and likeness of our God. You know, God who created us is exactly the same. You know, he is always looking for the best standard that he can get. So he will not surround himself with stuff that is rotten, with stuff that is smelling bad, with stuff that is having no future, but he is going to surround himself with things that are just like him. Okay? And the Bible tells us when he designed us, okay, as you know, everything that is there needs a design. I don't, I don't understand how some people believe that, you know, the greatest, uh, most magnificent uh, creation that is there needed no design. It just came by a bang. No, everything needs a design, okay? You know, when we look up into the skies, it's amazing what we see. You know, I'm, I'm just reading that uh, around this time, some of, the, some of the planets are lining up in an amazing way. You know, you can read it at Google or wherever, you know, uh, and, and you can see some pictures. Oh, you know, some of the, uh, I think Jupiter and, and Venus, they are lining up. And, you know, if, if you're in the right spot, then you can even see some of these things happening. So God made all of these things perfectly, and they are going to work day in and day out in a very perfect way. Okay? All the planets are doing their rounds around the sun, and this is just, you know, our, our own uh, solar system. Uh, but everything works out perfectly well. And, you know, there are things that never change. Okay, the speed of light is always the speed of light. It doesn't, it doesn't have a certain speed today and tomorrow it's have a different speed. And that's why scientists can actually be able to uh, find a lot of things because there are rules that God has set and these rules are never changing. Okay? So it's amazing. So you cannot 
have things that are substandard and then enjoy them. I'm sure you, you, you won't enjoy things that are substandard. Am I right? Would you want to fill your house with, with trash? Anyway, there are some people who do that. But definitely not our God, you know. I, I, remember, I remember one gentleman, anyway, I, I don't know whether he was so gentle, but uh, there was a certain man whom we came to know uh, because his, 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 his wife came to complain and says, there is a, this, my, my husband is, is filling the house with trash. And so the man had filled every room with, with, with stuff so that she could not almost move. You know, the kitchen had just a small corner where she could be able to prepare food and uh, eating was just like in standing uh, because there was no room because the house was filled with trash. Now, because the man was collecting trash all the time, he hired another, he, he rented another, uh, uh, you know, uh, flat. And he filled that also with trash. And when you would ask him, what, what do you want to do with these things? He says, oh, maybe in future there might be some use. Uh, I, I hope we are not like that, okay? Definitely God is not like that. He doesn't fill his house with trash. He is going to only get that which is according to his standard. And the standard of God, as the Bible has said, as I have read here, the standard of God is that he has made the world and he loved us and chose us in Christ to be, how? To be holy and without fault in his eyes. Okay, a lot of people have got no faults in their own eyes. Okay? But uh, God doesn't say that he will make your eyes the judgment. He makes his own eyes the judgment. Because after all, he's the owner of the house. Isn't it? Okay, there are always people who are standing in a court of law and they are claiming, I'm not guilty. But everything tells you, this man is so dirty. But he doesn't want or she doesn't want to admit, you know, I've committed this crime or I've committed this felony, whatever it, is, it may have been. Uh, there are always people who are not humble. Okay? I think it was this week that one of the most outstanding tennis players was, uh, was in court because he has been cheating. Okay? And, uh, you know, he, he declared bankruptcy some time ago so that he didn't have to pay back his money that he owed but he somehow put some money aside and, uh, you know, uh, to, to help him for a rainy day. But of course, the authorities came to find out that the, the money was uh, put aside, you know, through some ways. And, and uh, the man appears in court with no humility whatsoever, with no remorse. And that is what the judge uh, did not appreciate. You know, if at least there was a bit of remorse, maybe the, the, the measure of, 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 of judgment could be a little bit better. Okay? But there was no remorse. So, the judge gave him two years and six months. Because he was cheating. And he was not admitting. Okay? This is the, tr the trouble we have. You know? Some people are good in their own eyes. But the Bible tells us that we must be without fault in the eyes of God. That's a different standard. So in other words, God has a standard and he doesn't budge. 
You know, he doesn't lower his standard just because we are, uh, you know, we are not ready for it. No, God wants us to adhere to his standards. That's very important. Every single one of us, we must learn to adhere to his standard. And if you are saying, oh, this is impossible, you know, nobody can be perfect, nobody can be without fault, wait a minute, the answer comes in a minute. Okay? So God requires that we who are going to be around him for eternity will be able to come up to the standard of God, to be holy and without fault in his own eyes, blameless. And of course, that would not have been a problem if we had kept the one and only rule that God had set at creation. You know, when, when, when people were created, the first people were created, God had only one single rule. I would love to live in that world, okay, where you don't have to worry about any rules and any, any, any limitations, nothing, but you have just one rule, okay? And in fact, that rule was not a problem because, you know, there were so many fruits in this place, there were so many wonderful things that they could enjoy in this, uh, in this place that it actually was not required for them to to reach out to that one tree which God said that one is off limits. Okay? Unfortunately, that one rule that God set for mankind was broken. Okay? Now the tree of testing had to be there for our sake. You know, some people have told me if only God would not have put this stupid tree in the garden everything would have been okay. No, actually, that tree was necessary. If that tree was not there, then you would just be a robot, you know? You would not be able to have a choice. But God gave us total freedom, okay? With almost no limitations, but just one test. You know, I mean, it's obvious. When you go to school, when you go to university, when you are going to uh, train uh, even for your, for your driver's license, uh, you know, there's a test coming. You, you know that. So when you know that the test is coming, you better prepare for the test so that you are able to come out successfully. I, I don't know what, what is the problem with that, but you know, a lot of people think the test should not have been there. But it has, must be there. And we all agree the test must be there. If you're a teacher, you must give a test to your, to your students. If, you are, if you're a student, you must be ready to write your examination. It's like that. And there are some people who always want to squeeze themselves and, you know, fail their way through life. Uh, then at the end of the day, you will not fit where God meant you to be. So God had to put this test into the Garden of Eden. Otherwise, we would just be robots. And God didn't want robots. God wanted to have people who make a choice whether they want to walk with him, whether they want to serve him, whether they want to be around him or not. Okay? Only in the test can we establish our qualification. Isn't it? The more tests, the more exams you are writing, the more you are, and, and, and you are, and you are going to, 
to master the qualifications, then the more you will be qualified, the more will you be worth on the labor market. Okay? If you are always dodging all the tests, you are going to sweep the streets. Okay? Because that you can do at any time. But if you have a more a higher uh, demand on your life, then, then of course you have to go through tests and you have to be willing to do what is required in order to qualify yourself. Now when the freedom that God has given to us uh, was violated, okay, God gave us an amazing freedom. Just imagine one rule, only one rule in the whole of the world. But when that one rule was violated, and of course man violated that rule. Then it led to a split. That means we, we could no longer qualify to be in the presence of God. We could no longer be walking in and out of his presence as Adam did before he fell into sin. As Eve was able to uh, you know, speak to God and Adam spoke to God at any one time. So they were relating to us as much as they were relating to their God. But once they violated the rule of God, that was no longer possible. Because God had to protect them and he had to protect his own home from bringing in substandard stuff. Okay? Now, please understand God would have not been violated, but man would have not been able to survive with having fallen in sin and violated the rule of God because God is holy and righteous and, and man would have not survived in that presence. So imagine God gave us almost total freedom so that we can make a decision. It was not total, it was almost total, but we had to make a decision. We had to make a choice. And we still have to make a choice. Every single one of us has to make a choice in life. Okay? So we used our freedom to turn our back on our Creator and do what we want. And this is still very much the same. Let me tell you a story or give you the story that I'm reading from the book of Luke chapter 15 verse 14. This is a story that we call the story of the prodigal son. Uh, probably it would be better we would call it the story of a good father. Okay, because this is really what the story is all about. About a wonderful good father that uh, we see outlined in this very scripture. So Jesus was giving them a story. There was a man, that is uh, Luke chapter 15 verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Interesting, you know, the father of these two sons was approached by the younger son, give me my inheritance. You know, it's not a very nice thing if you tell your father, you know, I don't need you anymore, give me my stuff and I'm going. 
And you know, the father was a good father because he, he said, okay, if you want it, I'll give you. And he gave him. So he left. And the father did not make any attempt to hold him back. He gave him freedom. Okay, and that is the nature of God. God gives us freedom. God is not imprisoning us. You know, God gives us total freedom. But of course, we must know what to do with that freedom. And that often is a problem. So this young man, you know, he got whatever he got, all his inheritance, all the, 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 the right and the demand that he could claim from his father, if ever he could even have a demand, he got it. And then he squandered everything. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. You know, that's why it's important to plan. Huh? That's why it's important to be wise about what we do with our life. If you squander everything and you think things will just fall into your lap tomorrow, it may not happen. You know, we are living in such a time where we see there's need. Okay? The world is in trouble right now. You know, we have war in Europe and it has got great effect on the energy. It has got great effect on all kinds of different things. And, uh, you know, we, we, we feel the prices are going up every day. So, this young man, he had a very good portion. We don't know how rich his father was, but probably quite rich from everything that we read uh, later on. He was quite well-to-do, and his son probably got a very good portion as his inheritance. But then, he did not invest his squanders, okay? And this is always a problem, you know? So many people are just consumers in our world. If all of us would be able to at least invest something for tomorrow, uh, the world would be a different story. But most of the people are just consuming. They want, want to get whatever comes into to their hands at any one time. Okay, so there was a famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Just imagine you are a real estate guy, you know, who gets a good inheritance and then you become a big shepherd. That is quite a drastic fall, isn't it? And the Bible says he, he longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I mean, this guy was feeding the pigs, but he couldn't even eat from the, the, the stuff that the pigs were eating. And he was, he was becoming hungry, okay? He was starving. That's amazing. You know, that should not happen to somebody like coming from such a house. But it happened. And, you know, it should not happen to any one of us because we are created by the Most High God and we were meant to be in his own image and his own likeness to his own standards. But unfortunately, things happen just like it happened to this young man. When he came to his senses, one of the translations says, when he came to himself, so, which means he was besides himself. You know, there are a lot of people who are besides themselves. 
There are a lot of people who are not using their senses. There are a lot of people who are just doing things because everybody else is doing it, because their friends are doing it. You know, this young man, when, when, when he had money, you can be sure he had friends. They helped him to squander everything. In wild living, you can't do wild living alone. You know, you must be together with others. So all his friends were, here, were around him while he had something because they, they, they enjoy things, okay, that they don't have to pay for, others are paying for. But when he became destitute, then he was all by himself. No one was there. Nobody said, okay, you helped us, I also help you. He had to find somebody who was at least allowing him to take care of the pigs or feed the pigs. Just imagine. Okay, so he came to his senses. He came to himself. He came to realize who he really was. Okay, I, I, I like this term. And a lot of people have not yet come to their senses. They have not come to find out who they really are. But that's important. Okay? So in other words, he, he made a U-turn. He said, where I have gone, it's not, it was not the right way. I have to, I have to re-align uh, myself. I have to justify or, or adjust my way uh, that I have gone. So when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. So he knew something about his father's house, okay? He knew that his father had not only sons, but he had a lot of servants. And these servants were well-to-do, okay? The Bible says they had food to spare. So this was a, this was a, a, a place which was lavish, you know, where, you know, you are not just kept on a, on a, on a shoestring, but where you are able to have plenty, Okay, and all the servants of that, of his father, they had enough. Okay, they were doing well. They were well prepared for life and they could serve their master in a good way. And so he longed to be in his father's house, but he realized, you know, with all that I've done, I, I, I already got my pay. So what else am I going to ask for? I got my inheritance. What am I going to demand for? And he realized he had no right to demand anything. But then, you know, as he came to his senses, and as he realized, you know, how different his life was compared to what he used to experience. Okay, when he was, was in his father's house, he must not have really appreciated it. Why, why would he have left? Why would he have put pressure on his father, give me my inheritance? Because he thought he would go for something better. But when he had squandered everything, when he was with the pigs and he was hungry, then he realized, how foolish was I to exchange the good life that I had. Because then he saw it was a good life with a life that really is troubling me every day, where I am starving to death. And so he made a decision. I mean, he spoke to himself. Yeah, very interesting. You know, sometimes it's good you speak to yourself. Okay? You know, many times 
when other people are trying to advise us, we, we don't want to listen. Because we think we know better. But this young man, he came to his senses, he came to himself, and he now began not just listening to advice from others, but he began to speak to himself. He gave himself advice. Okay? You know, all of us, we have learned enough. And I believe this father gave this young man a lot of advice which he didn't want to heed when he was at home. But now, because he was in trouble, he started to heed the advice. Okay? And he, like, recalled what he, was, what he was taught, and he advised himself, okay? I think it's high time that we learn to advise ourselves. Because sometimes we are just, uh, you know, floating on the, on the waters and we are driven by whatever other people want. But it's, it's important that we come to a point where we're saying, I'm not in the place where I'm, where I'm supposed to be. I need to re calibrate my life. I need to, you know, do the hard parts and go to the place where I'm supposed to be. And that's what this young man did. So, you know, you must give him credit. He said, I will set out and go back to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Okay? So very interesting. This young man, he began to advise himself and he heeded his own advice. Very interesting. Huh? So many of us, we have been given so much advice but we didn't want to listen. This, this man now came to a point where he was willing to get advice. The advice that he never listened to when he was in his father's house, maybe the advice that he got along the way when people may have told him, you know, this kind of living will not take you very far. Eventually he came to a point where nobody was giving him advice, but where he was beginning to give himself advice. Okay? And not only did he give himself advice, he heeded his advice. Okay? So he told himself, let me go back to my father. Let me tell him I'm no longer worthy to be your son because I have not heeded your advice. I have not done what you wanted me to do. But now I'm ready to come. And because I believe I cannot be a son, at least, at least give me uh, a space as a hired worker. That's, that's an amazing story. So he got up and went to his father. And you know, this, this is what is a U-turn in this young man's life. And you know, every one of us needs to have a U-turn in our life. You know, this is what the Bible calls repentance. Okay? We realize I can't go any further in this direction. I need to turn around and go in another direction. And it's sometimes difficult. You know, sometimes we are finding it so hard for us to make that decision to U-turn and go in the right direction. But that's what we require. That's what we need to do. You know, we must U-turn. And this young man, he was courageous enough to say, you know, I will face my father. I will tell him I'm not worthy because he realized what he has done. He realized that he didn't listen. But at least, you know, 
Let me have the grace of being a hired worker. So as he was traveling towards his father's home, okay, I don't know how long the distance was because he was in another country, so he had to come a long way. Okay, and because he had no good uh, budget for transport, probably he was walking. Uh, so it made him even weaker. And the Bible says, but while he was still a long way off, okay, he was not nearby home. He was not able to see the house in a, in a, in a, in a short distance. No, it was a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Hey, what a good father. Okay? So his father was keeping an eye on the horizon, you know. And uh, if we understand that this is really the story of God, our Heavenly Father, we know that once we have made the choice to say, I want to go back to my father, I want to, I want to put things clear again with my father and apologize for what I've done. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. That's when God will spring into action. You know, God never held him when he made a choice because God has committed himself to give us freedom. Okay? He wants us, us as, to be as free as God is himself. Okay? God does not want to limit us. God doesn't want us to, to, to be uh, prisoners. But you know, we must understand that we have a standard that is required, or we require a standard, every single one of us, and that standard is to be like our God, our Creator. So, the son gives his father his story, you know, I have sinned against heaven and against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father was not listening. This time it was the father who was not listening. Okay? Before it was always the son who was not listening. But this time it was the father who was not listening. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best rope and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Hey, this is powerful. So what do we learn out of this? You know, we, we learn out of this that God, our Father, you know, and, and, and this is why we call him our Heavenly Father, okay? Jesus taught us that we should pray to our Father who is in heaven, Okay? We have a right to come to him because he's the one who created all of us. None of us is outside of the sphere. We are all uh, loved by our God. And he is waiting for every single one of us. So coming home requires a transformation. You know, the transformation that happened in this young man began when he came to his senses. Okay, when he came to realize, I got lost. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm no longer on the same standard with my father who I have left, hoping 
I would see better, better things and yet uh, the opposite has happened. So transformation has happened. And no, as far as God the Father was concerned, when he sees us to humble ourselves, when he sees us to say, we are ready, Lord, I come back to you, then he is ready to come our way, no matter how deep we have fallen. And that's the powerful, the powerful essence of this story. And this is a story that is true in every single one of our lives. Okay? Amazing. So once God sees that we are no longer stubborn, we are no longer trying to convince the whole world that we are not guilty. Like this man, this tennis player, you know, one of the biggest tennis players of some generation back, Boris Becker, you know, he, 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 was, he was a shining star on the tennis uh, courts. But today he's in prison. Because he wants to tell everybody he's okay. I've not done anything wrong. You know, he behaves like a child. No, I couldn't know this. There are people who were doing my, my business. Lack of humility, lack of repentance, lack of agreement to saying, I've gone down a route which was not right. Maybe he would have gotten mercy. Maybe he would not have gotten into prison if he would have really humbled himself and says, please, I know this was wrong, but I've done it anyway. And the same is true for all of us. You know, God has grace for each and every one who is willing to humble himself. The Bible says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen? Because he can work with those who humble themselves. But pride comes before the fall. So what we can see is that God was working in this young man, you know, uh, there was an invisible hand in the life of this young man for him to come to himself, for him to, to come to the point of, of saying, I need to go back to my father. And, and we see that is the work of the Holy Spirit in every one of our lives, that God draws us to the Lord. Okay? God draws us. And that's what happened to this young man. And he listened to that voice of the Spirit of God. And he, he was able to go back after taking his own advice. Now that was not everything. You know, what needed to happen, to happen is that the, the young man's outfit needed to be changed. I mean, you know very well, if somebody has been with the pig, you can smell, isn't it? You will be able to, to tell, you know, this is not the kind of right fit outfit that would be uh, fitting into uh, upper class home. So the father said, okay, bring the best rope. And you know, there are things here which are not necessarily written, but there was a good cleanup taking place. This young man, not only did he transform his inside, his mind, but even the outside was transformed. And you know, uh, when we take this uh, story in a spiritual way, God gives us the rope of righteousness. Okay, he covers us with the righteousness of God. And that's a wonderful thing. 
Okay? He is the righteous one. And, and we, we can be really very thankful for, for that. In the book of 1 John chapter 2, 1 and 2, the Bible says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Praise God. Isn't that powerful? You know, God is the one who defends us. Jesus is the one who is covering us with his righteousness. He is the one who is righteous and he wants to give us his righteousness. <clears throat> so we all are on a journey. Every single one of us. And we all need to be closed with the righteousness of God. You know, there is another parable that Jesus told us uh, of, a, of a wedding party. And uh, in that wedding party, you know, everybody was given wedding garments. Uh, in the Middle East, you know, in the uh, uh, time of, of, of uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, a wedding feast could sometimes take several days. And so the, the person who invites you to the wedding actually provides you with an outfit so that you don't, uh, you know, come with your own thing. It's almost like ch children who go to school to avoid that they are coming with their torn trousers and their broken shirts, you know. You give them, you give them uh, uh, you know, the, the standard of a uniform so that all of them, they look uh, presentable. And that's exactly what happened during these weddings. So uh, the master gives, you know, at the entrance, everyone who is invited, everybody who comes, was given the outfit. Okay? But somebody managed to go in without changing his outfit. Okay? Maybe he had good clothes. Maybe they were almost the same like uh, the outfit from the, from the master of the wedding. So he thought, I don't need to change it. When the master of the wedding came and he found there was this man who was not having the outfits that he provided, he actually expelled him from the wedding. And you know, we all need the outfit of the righteousness of God, all of us. We cannot come with our own outfit. You know, the Bible tells us our our righteousness is, is like filthy rags. So in other words, it will not go up to the standard of God. It will not measure up to what God requires. And that's why we need the outfit of the very garment that God gives us. That's why the father said, go and get the rope. That was already prepared. Imagine, it was prepared for this young man to come back. Get that, you know, get, get him closed up with what is required. And you know, we all need to get close with the righteousness of God in our lives. So God is transforming our lives and he's busy doing that, you know, in every single one of our lives. You know, when we come to decide to walk with Jesus, life will not be the same. There will be a transformation continuing to take place. And that is a good thing. Okay, so over time, all of us will be undergoing transformation and change. Let me just read you one or two scriptures. 
Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So in other words, we are in a process to working things out in our life. And we should do this not uh, in a selfish way or in a self-righteous way, but in a humble way. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Okay, there's a good purpose that God has for every one of us. And he's going to give us the, the, the will and he gives us the resolve and he gives us the power to actually manage that. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. And as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast about uh, on that day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. So in other words, there is a process that must continue to take place in everyone. You know, the moment we are, we are no longer moving, the moment we are no longer evolving and growing, then we are already dead, even so we are still walking around. And the Bible tells us here that <clears throat> we should become blameless and pure, children of God without fault. Even so we are in a crooked world, okay? A lot of things are not the way that we would love them to be, but God is God. And we are getting our resources from him who gives us the ability to be the kind of people that he wants to be. Remember I said in the beginning, if you want to bring something into your house, it should be according to your standards. And God wants to bring you in his house, so you must be according to his standard or else you will not fit. Okay? And so God says, do everything without complaining and, or arguing. And of course, that's a problem here. We like complaining, isn't it? We like arguing. You know, the, the Bible tells us in many, many different chapters in the book of Exodus and uh, Numbers and, and Deuteronomy, uh, Leviticus, how the people of Israel were arguing all the time, arguing, arguing, until finally they were never able to reach their destiny, at least most of them. So do everything without complaining or arguing, okay? But be ready that you become blameless and pure, okay? And not your own standards is what will carry the day, but the standard of God. In the eyes of God, it must be pure and a blameless standard, a pure and blameless standard. Because we are children of God and we should be without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. First Corinthians chapter 1 4, it says, I always thank God for you because his grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way. Imagine, God has given us enrichment in Christ in every way. You know, God has given us grace. It doesn't come to an end. You know, at the beginning, our choir sang amazing grace. And for sure, you know, God is giving us grace that is totally amazing. You know, that is able to transform things that, you know, look like impossible to change. We thank God for that. 
Okay? So he has enriched us in every way, in all your speaking, in all your knowledge. Because our testimony about Christ, our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. To be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and he is faithful. Wow. Okay, so what is it? He is keeping us strong to the end so that we will be able to arrive at the end when finally we meet with our Lord, blameless. Okay, blameless. In the book of Ephesians, uh, we read, uh, this is a comparison that we are given, you know, uh, the, the husbands are advised to take care of their wives. And of course, this is something that is pointing to the church and to the people of God. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5 verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. He gave us he gave up his life for her to make her what? To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Okay, so what is happening right now as I give you the word of God is actually cleansing you, okay? Don't hold on to your dirt. Let the, let the cleansing take place because God wants to cleanse us from all things that are not compatible. So he did this to present her, the church, to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Okay, so God is busy in your life to make you exactly that. Okay? What a husband ought to do to his wife. You know, many husbands, they're claiming, you know, they're, uh, my wife, what and what. No, actually, if you see something is not not straight in your wife's life, straighten it out, okay? Make her holy and righteous, blameless in the sight of God. That's, that's the demand that God says, you know, just what, like what Christ is doing in our lives, that's what husbands ought to do even in their, in their marriage life. So in other words, God is busy to prepare us for his house, okay? At the beginning I said, you don't want to bring some furniture into your house that are already broken, that are already torn. You know, you, you wouldn't want to uh, have your guests, your visitors come and sit on, on dirty chairs or broken chairs, okay? It has happened to me, you know, at one time I, I went to somebody's home and they gave me, it looked like, like a big, big, uh, 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 chair, you know, was supposed to be a comfortable chair, but as I was sitting on it, you know, uh, the chair slipped off the stone, which was underneath one of the legs. So they said, oh no, sorry, sorry, sorry. So they, can, can you get up again? So they put the stone on underneath again, and that stone was not even straight. So I knew any time this thing is going to fall again. You know, this is not the kind of standard that God has. Okay? So don't be that kind of a person and say, I want to enter into God's kingdom. I want to be in the house of God. Now, God doesn't, 
doesn't have that standard. God wants to have a perfect standard, without blame, without fault. And how do we get that standard? We can't get it on our own. All we need to do is just by faith say, God, have mercy on me. Let me go back to my father. That's all. The rest is done by him. You know, the divine standard that we require was, was brought to us by the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. And he did it all. You know, nothing needs to be added. He has done everything that was required. Jesus, Jesus came to earth as a human being, just like you and me. He was human in every way. The Bible tells us he is the second Adam. You know, he started on the baseline again. Adam was the first created uh, human that was on earth, that was even given a paradise to live in, and he failed. And God decided he would start afresh. Okay, he would send us another Adam who starts on the baseline without sin. And Jesus is called the second Adam. So he started afresh. And of course, the Bible tells us that he was tempted in everything, just like we are. He had to go through his tests. He was tempted. In fact, the devil himself made sure that he tried every trick in the book to make him fail. But Jesus was obedient. Whatever the devil offered, he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus was remaining fully obedient to the Father and because he was obedient even as he faced death, you know, he had a will. And the Bible tells us that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Father, if it is possible that this this terrible thing, this, this, this cup that is coming to me, this death that is waiting for me on the cross, if this can pass me by, you know, I, I would prefer that. Can you blame him? Okay, we have a will. Every human being has a will. Even Jesus had a will. But he subjected his will and he said, not my will, but your will be done. And that's the problem that many of us have. We say, I want to have my will. Okay, my will is my kingdom. And that's why so many things go wrong in our lives. Jesus humbled himself and he says, not my will, but your will be done. So what Adam squandered, Jesus restored. The pathway to God is open once again. Thank God. The righteous one covers us with his righteousness. He is our defender. You know, the Bible tells us that when Jesus died at the cross, that rift, that uh, division that was there between where human beings could go and where God was living, the holy place and the most holy place in the temple, that that rift, that curtain was cut from top to bottom. In fact, God is the one who cut it from top down. And now it was possible for everyone to come back into fellowship with our God. So when we are coming into the Father's house, he will make sure that he is going to perfect us. Okay, like this young man, this son of the father who came back, 
He was not even entering the house as yet, but he was already transformed. He got the new rope. He got the new shoes. He got the new, you know, uh, ring on his finger. And a lot of wonderful blessings came to him, showing about his standing, his righteousness in the Father's house. And this is what God gives to us. We are not yet entering his home, but, you know, we are here in the house of God, as we call it, in the family of God. And you know, this is what God has decided, that we should be his family. And we are here together, but God is using that time to transform our lives so that we are able to fit when finally the day comes that we should be with him forever. So your outfit of righteousness is waiting for you. Okay, Jesus has brought you that outfit. He has worked for that outfit. He has died for that outfit. And we are going to be made whole and righteous according to the very plan of our God. Let me just read a short passage in the book of Revelation as I close. The Bible tells us what is going to happen in the future when finally we are going to be arriving in our father's home. Then I heard, Revelation 19 verse 6, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud, loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah. For our God, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Real joy you find with God, not out there on wild living. Real joy is with God. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Okay? I told you, when you go to a wedding, you were given a wedding garment. Fine linen was given her to wear. And then it says, very interestingly, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And then the angel said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of the Lord. Wonderful. Okay, so God has a place for us. And 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, For may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Sanctify means to cleanse you, to, to make you complete and fully functioning. Sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Praise the Lord. So if you are wondering, you know, I can't do it, you are in good company because none of us can do it. But he will do it. Amen. All he needs is our humility, is our willingness to say, God, I've run away from you, but now I'm coming back to you. Now I'm going to allow you to do what you want to do in my life. And he will lead you on path of righteousness for his name's sake. That is powerful. You will be able to be guided to do wonderful and good things through the power of God that is working 
in you. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful that you are transforming our lives according to your perfect standards. Thank you, Lord, that we have a future that is bright, that is powerful, a future that we can be able to look forward to and we can be able to enjoy. As your word says, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice because, Lord, we have reasons to rejoice in your righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given us a rope of righteousness. We couldn't gain this on our own. We couldn't do anything, Lord, that would be up to the standard of God because we have gone astray. But thank you, Lord, that you have recovered us from that and that you are transforming us. And Lord, that you are busy in our lives today and every day of our lives so that we will be able to come into your house holy and blameless. So that, Lord, we are not contaminating your house, but, Lord, that we are able to shine like stars in the universe. We are so grateful, Lord, that you have designed us to be something outstanding, marvelous, and powerful. Every one of us is unique, designed with unique abilities, unique strengths, unique uh, ways and means to let your light shine. Just like the rainbow is uh, shining in so many different colors, Lord, you have given us a glory that is so unique. Lord, you want us like an orchestra to make wonderful music as we are playing together in harmony and the harmony that only you can create in our lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for the work that you do in us, that you continue working out in each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can come back to you at any time because you love us, you care for us, you have a plan for us, not just for time, but for eternity to come. So Lord, we give you thanks and we ask you, Lord, continue your good work in each and every one of us in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen.